This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five-on-three. Welcome into another episode of Five-on-Three WFUV's NHL Podcast, a little bit of a transitionary episode as we move away from the regular season and towards the playoffs, uh, the 56-game schedule wrapping up for most of these teams. And Mike, the East Division comes to a close regular season-wise tonight, but we have the matchups and excited to get into it. Yeah, like you said, it's finally finally here. Playoff Playoffs is almost in front of us, and I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, a lot of speculation of, of who's going to come out of each league, uh, out of each division, so finally happy to see who was right this time. And we have the East Division playoff matchups, as I mentioned. The Islanders lose in overtime to the Bruins last night, 3-2. to two. Um, Interesting. They, uh, they clearly wanted to play Washington because they pulled the goalie with a couple minutes to go, tied it two. So clearly this was <laughs> – Barry Trotz kind of showed his cards there. Like, hey, I want to get the three seeds done. That was true. They should have beaten Buffalo a couple of times. But anyways, um, they lose to Boston, and that means it's Islanders-Penguins part two. Um, obviously, you remember 2019, Robin Leonard and the Islanders play the Penguins and sweep them in four games as the end of what was a miraculous season uh, in 2019. And now they'll do it again. The Islanders 2-4-2 and against Pittsburgh this year but four and one against them all time in the playoffs. This is a concerning matchup for me. You know, this is a Pittsburgh team who's been hot of late. They're going to get Evgeny Malkin back most likely. They have a a Jack Adams caliber coach. Their goaltending does not scare me um, like Washington's or Boston's would, but everything else about that team is, is stacked and you've seen them. They are pretty clearly the best team in the East the last month or maybe even more. So it's going to be a tough matchup, but, they weren't supposed to beat them the first time two years ago. So hopefully they can do it again this time. We, we were talking about this maybe two or three episodes ago, how this is probably the last team that the Islanders wanted to see in the first round of the playoffs. And here it is. Islanders and Penguins. It, it, it's going to be good, man. I mean, I don't want to I, – I, I definitely not going to write the Islanders off of anything at this point. Who knows what can happen in this game? It's, it, it's impossible to tell what's going to happen. Um, the Islanders come out and absolutely play the best hockey of their lives. Penguins could do nothing good, no forecheck, no nothing like that. They could they could play bad hockey, and the Islanders could come away with easy wins. I don't think that's going to happen, though. The Islanders are going to need to step up. They're going to need to play the hockey they usually do when they go on these long point streaks, winning streaks, and stuff like that in order to beat this Penguins team. But it, it's going to be a good series. I'm excited for it all around. Yeah, and I think I think they match up okay with Pittsburgh. Um, and this, this season, it, it didn't work out for them, whether it was scheduling or whatever it was. Um, but I think they match up okay. I think at the end of the day, this is a very similar, if not better, team than 2019. And it's a very similar, uh, if not maybe, it, you know, they're obviously two years older, uh, and that's a concern for this Pittsburgh team. But similar other than that uh, as, as 2019. And obviously, I don't expect the Islanders to sweep. But I do no. have expectations uh, because, you know, they were – a goal away from game seven last year in the Eastern conference finals. And they almost got that goal to Brock Nelson breakaway. So um, I do have expectations for this team because if you're not going to, you know, make a little run now, I'm not sure when you're ever going to do it. You're rested. They're not injured. 
They have two goalies on top of their game right now. Sorokin was okay. Sorokin was actually very good last night. Varlamov was okay last night. Sorokin was very good. Two goalies on top of their game. They're not injured. You know, how long are you going to keep this core together? They have no salary cap. So you got to make it happen when it's, when the opportunities are there and they made it happen for three rounds last year and got to do it for four this year. Yeah. You mentioned the goalies and and I think, those two are going to be the most crucial part of this Islanders run. Both of them are playing fantastic goaltending, fantastic hockey all around. Um, and I really think that's going to be the key going forward for them. They have to stay on their toes. They, they can't be lenient inside the net, inside their own crease. They, they have to be ready for whatever's coming to them because Pittsburgh is going to bring it. Crosby and Malkin are going to be playing fantastic playoff hockey like they always do. So, so that, that, that's, I think, going forward is what the Islanders need for them to work in order to move on to the next round is their goaltending is going to, their goaltending is going to be the number one most important piece to this puzzle that they're trying to finish. And man, but both goalies have played phenomenal as of late. So if they can bring that momentum forward into the first round of the playoffs, that's going to be huge for them. Yeah. And they're the, you know, they're one of two teams in the playoffs without a 20 goal score. And the other one is Nashville. So that's been a story for this team for a long, long time. Their inability to have a, a top-notch goal scorer, uh, they don't have that again. So uh, Buffalo has a 20-goal scorer, and mm-hmm. the Islanders don't. So I guess it doesn't mean that much. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I do think that this is okay for them. I think that all three of these matchups would have been difficult, and they drew Pittsburgh, who finishes their 56-game season with 37 wins, 77 points. They, they As I mentioned, they were hot. As, of, as the season went on. Second place uh, is actually up for grabs. Uh, no, it's not. Second place is between Washington and Boston. So, uh, they're going to play each other in the first round. They play each other tonight as well in the regular season finale. If you're going to have me pick it right now, uh, I'm leaning Boston because Washington is very injured right now. And Ovechkin is still out. Um, and we don't know when he's going to come back. And Boston is starting to click now with Taylor Hall and Tukarask is healthy again. And Charlie McAvoy is out there and Brandon Carlo is healthy. And they've just been really hot of late. This was a team who didn't look like they were going to be able to catch the Islanders back at the trade deadline. And over the last four weeks, they've proved me loud wrong from our trade deadline recap. I did with Tyler. I said, why would Taylor Hall ever want to go to Boston? Why would he pick Boston? They're a team that's in the basement of this division is going to get pummeled by Washington in the first round. Now they're going to play Washington in the 2-3. They take this took three straight games against the Islanders to get themselves into this position. So they're a hot team right now. And, and I'd be wary of Boston if I was Washington. And I think that these two are going to beat the crap out of each other for the next eight games. You're, you're taking Boston. I'm also taking Boston for this. Um, I feel like Taylor Hall was the perfect addition to this team. The energy that guy plays with is something I've never seen before, and and he's such a fun player to watch, man. That goal he had last night was phenomenal. Through, I, I think it was Letty's legs, mm-hmm. r- right into the net, man. Man, he he brings so much energy onto the ice and on the bench as well. When, when he's waiting for his line to go out on the ice, he he just amps all the players up, and, and that's exactly what they needed. They were on that hot streak then. They weren't playing such good hockey. And then he comes, scores that first goal, and then they were kind of off and running since then. So I'm definitely going to be watching every game that in, in that series because it's going to be so fun to watch. The aggressiveness, the hitting, the, the goal scoring, everything's going to be so fun. Um, so I'm definitely going to go Boston in that series as well. And, and I think uh, we're obviously going to disagree on this one, but I'm going to go with the Penguins and the Penguins Islander series as well which I, I can only imagine that you're not going to be taking the Penguins. Well, if I had a brain, I'd probably consider it, but I don't. Yeah, so 
Yeah. I, I have to. I can't just not. I can't not do it. I can't just not. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall, as you mentioned, has been a catalyst for this team. Eight goals in 16 games for Boston. For Buffalo, we played 37 games. He only had two goals. They have 17 assists as opposed to six for Boston. But, you know, he's known as a goal scorer, lots of 20-goal seasons. And, of course, he had the 39-goal season um, that won him the hard trophy in New Jersey. So, yeah, I mean, he's been a really good, really good pickup for a second-round pick for Boston. He might, he might be a Bruin forever. If they have the space to do it, it'd certainly be interesting. Might They might be able to do that. Yeah, um, you're not wrong. I, and I think it makes the Kyle Palmieri trade look – you know, kind of riding on this on playoff outcome because you look at Boston and the Islanders, right, who were battling for, for playoff positioning, and obviously the Bruins won that battle in the regular season. But the Bruins gave up the second-round pick for Taylor Hall and for the fourth-liner, Curtis Lazar. The Islanders gave up a first-round pick for Kyle Palmieri and depth forward Travis Zajac. So essentially the same pa- same idea, right, in the package, but Boston's seen such – a great output from their number one guy in Taylor Hall. The Islanders have seen two goals from Kyle Palmieri, including one sick one on um, Saturday night against New Jersey. But other than that, it hasn't really been that great. And he did play well last night as well. And I think they, they're expecting him to get going for the playoffs. But I think the teams that win the trade deadline, you know, we can do trade deadlines, winners and losers, and we will for the rest of time. But this is one, you know, and it looks like the Bruins won this one over, over the Islanders because their guy has been absolutely dynamic. And that's what, that's what the entire league was looking for in trading for Taylor Hall last year. And it wasn't as good. And he's just been fantastic this year. I mean, the Bruins straight up committed a crime by getting Taylor Hall. I'm still, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I think that we still don't really know the full story and that I do believe that Taylor Hall was like, trade me to the Bruins or I'm just not going to get traded and you're not going to get it. That, that could have been it as well, but that's speculation. Yeah. So, so, so as of now, I'm looking at it as like the, the Bruins essentially stole this guy from, from that team and for nothing, a second round pick. How, how is Taylor, how are you giving up a second round pick for Taylor Hall? That it, the, that that just doesn't add up in my mind. It doesn't make sense to how they ended up getting him. Like you said, it could be a situation like I either go there or I don't perform to my best ability on this team. But that's something that we'll never know. And it, it, it's just crazy that you that that they were able to get Taylor Hall for that price and just the way he's producing it is crazy and it just clearly has worked out for them better than they could have ever hoped. Yep. He, uh, I would completely agree with that. Funny, funny meme coming out of last night's game was Matt Barzell scored an absolutely sweet goal to tie this game up. And he takes a cross ice pass from Pulak and cuts through the Bruins defenders and they get three whacks at him. So somebody retweeted the video and Bruins get three, three tries at Barzell and don't, don't take him again, which of course is the Bruins had three consecutive draft picks in the 2015 draft. Didn't draft Matt Barzell, Garth Snow trades up and gets number 13. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but that all starts on Saturday. The Bruins and the Capitals, they play their last regular season game tonight, Tuesday, the first playoff game, Saturday, May 15th, 7:15 on NBC. And uh, what should be a good one in the East. Uh, we'll flip back to locals uh, because we spent a lot of time early in the program last week about the Rangers with Tyler. 
and the firing of Gordon and Davidson. We, we, we talked about that a lot and now we'll do a little post-mortem. I think overall, you know, they're the only 60 point team or they're one of two 60 point teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. Dallas being the other one. And I think, you know, in any other division where they didn't have to play Washington eight times and Pittsburgh eight times, and they did not do well against the Islanders either. They would have fared, they would have fared a little bit better, but you could say that about any team to be, to be perfectly honest. And I think that overall it is disappointing. And I, I wonder what the, the exit interviews with Chris Drury are like right now for players who are free agents like Pavel Buchnevich, for the coach, David Quinn. What are those conversations like with basically everybody except for Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin because, and Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle. And Lingren was resigned, so, so those talks are right. done so, now. They got that figured out. Right. So I think, I think we are in for a very interesting summer with the Rangers and we'll be able to kind of see how Drury and Glenn Sather will take this team because I think they, he was picked because he has the same ideals and he was part of the staff, but you never know what's going to happen. And, and this could be a dramatic change for the better, a dramatic change for the worst, or more of the same where they hope to get lucky in the lottery the last two years they have and they go out and now they just sign some, you know, sign some fourth line guys to beat up Tom Wilson and, and make a run for the playoffs. I think that the expectations are though, to be in the top three or four in the metropolitan next year, assuming it's everything's back to normal and make the playoffs. Yeah, that's for sure. The goal. And like you said about the exit interviews, especially the one with, with about David Quinn. I, I know Drury was asked the other day in their media availability session, about jury was asked about Quinn and his head coaching job moving forward. If he's going to have the job, if he's not going to have the job, and obviously he's not going to say that during his media availability session, he just kind of blows the question off, but that's going to be the question kind of going into the off season as it already is. And like, I feel like you can't continue signing guys or training for guys. If you don't have this Quinn situation figured out, like I understand they're new They're uh, They still have to do some thinking to make these decisions, but these decisions need to come relatively quick. If, if you want to be able to build that chemistry with the players and the coach, I know you still have an entire playoffs to get to and an entire off season, but man, the time flies and these, these players need to be able to build that chemistry and that camaraderie with their new head coach. If they so get one. And I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be there. I'm not, I'm not sure what the energy and the vibe like in the locker room is right now, or, the relationship between Drury and Quinn. I know they said they have a professional relationship like they should, um, but I don't know anything more than that. And that's, that's pretty much the main question going into the off season for the Rangers is what are they going to do with their head coaching spot? And like you said, some of their main players, Pavel Buchnevich, what, where is he going to be when the season starts? I know all the players are saying that they love being a Ranger and they love where they are right now in their lives and in hockey. So it's going to be a big question going forward, but, Definitely the head coaching spot is the most important key to this team right now. And I think that has to get taken care of before they can really do any big signings. Yeah. And I think it'll be an interesting off season to see who they retain. Cause they're going to have to make some decisions here. Mm-hmm. I think Brendan Smith is probably gone. And if he isn't, it's on a significantly less of a cap hit than the 4.35 million that's coming off the books this year. You have Brett Howden, Julian Gauthier, Philip Hedl, and Pavel Buchnevich. All his RFAs, Phil DiGiuseppe as a UFA, 
Brendan Smith, as I mentioned, uh, Libor Hayek as an RFA, and Igor Shosturkin as an RFA. So uh, th- that is all that is all huge, and there is some there's some money that. It would have to be shuffled around a little bit. There, there's just not a lot left, you know, and that's true for every team in the league right now with the flat cap. There's just not a lot of money left. And, and Eichel's, Eichel's still in the, the trade talk for the Rangers, so, so who knows what they're going to be, what salary they're going to be able to shed from that. If so, they do make an offer or, or end up getting him, who knows what they're able to shed, but that's also going to cost money. Yeah, <laughs> I, the way I see it, money. the way I see it, if – if Eichel is a Ranger, Mika isn't. I mean, Eichel, Eichel is better than Mika. I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. But I, I, and I'm not saying that means you shouldn't do the trade, but I think that that's what is going to have to go. I think if Eichel is a Ranger, Mika isn't. And I think you might want to wait till after the draft lottery because the luck you guys have had the last two years, that could be – I mean, you could obviously top three protect the pick, but that could be a top three pick. I think – or top four pick because there's, there's four really solid prospects, you know, if you include Luke Hughes. But I think Mika would have to go. And he has 5.35 as his has his cap hit. He's got another year after this one, so he'll be a UFA after the 21-22 season. It's going to be a really really interesting offseason for Chris Drury's first as a GM. That that that's really what it comes down to. And I, I think you know, it's I don't know. I, I personally do not see Pavel Buchnevich being a Ranger at the end, at, after this. They'll trade his RFA rights for a, a mid-round pick or just cut him or put add him in the deal for – that could be interesting too. You, you go Mika, Buch, two firsts for Eichel. That would work, I think. It's a lot though. At, I mean, he, he, he is a top five player when he's healthy. Yeah, and he, but he, he has health issues 100%. But that's the number one question because there's no there's no like gangbusters are a UFA right there's no Panarin there's no Tavares there's Ovechkin but he's not going to leave he's he, he's there for life he's he's not going to leave so there is Ovechkin but he's not leaving I, I man it's it's going to be so fascinating because I I there's a real possibility you come into next season with no Mika no Booch and potentially no Georgiev if you can't afford it I don't know it the they were uh, just like every team, right? I don't want to make this a, a Ranger specific problem, but they signed contracts, you know, two years ago or last year, or even the Kreider contract uh, last January with the idea that the cap was going to go up as it has almost every season outside of lockout year since the cap was instituted in 04. They're not going to get that. So Brendan Smith probably isn't going to be a Ranger. And that's, that's, and the big issue that we've talked about is they don't have Ryan Reeves or Matt Martin or Tom Wilson on their team. Brendan Smith was the guy who fought Tom Wilson, and now he's going to be the one who goes because they have no money. So now where are you going to find your Ryan Reeves or Matt Martin or Tom Wilson? You're not. Yeah. So where, where can you get them from? So if, if Dolan was really so concerned about the path of the team and the toughness of the team – why are you firing the guys before they're 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 able to do some cap Olympics and get a and get a guy like that into the building? Now you're trusting a guy who's never done it before with an unprecedented cap situation, right? It's never not gone up outside of the shortened season. So it, it I don't know. I am I'm very fascinated to see what's going to happen. I think that they are. I think that they are a really really interesting team to watch this season and that's not even just because we're going to do a podcast about it when something happens i mean the rangers had 
Lemieux, but obviously he, he got traded, but he, he was also another guy that we had to step up and fight people. But I mean, what is the guy? Five, four. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, five, six, maybe what, what is he going to, what is he doing to a guy of Tom Wilchin's stature? You know, like, like he, he's just a small guy. Oh, uh, he's six, one. I, I guess I was seven inches off. He doesn't look that big, but yeah, but I, like, like he, they traded him away. So now they don't have that guy. They have Smith, but he, like, he's not going to be a ranger. He's, they, they physically do not have that money in order to keep all these guys in. You mentioned Georgiev. He could be a starter on a lot of the teams in the NHL. So, I, so if he has to go, I hope he can get his chance and be a starter like he deserves. But I, I believe in, I think the team believes in Shusterkin as their starting goaltender moving forward as well. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's just something that is going to happen and we all know it. So we'll just have to see who we can pick up. Rangers are pretty good at getting backup goaltenders who can turn into starters in short years later. So we'll have to see where, what route they go with that, but they're not going to be able to keep this team together as it is right now going into next season. Whatever. And I mentioned all the guys who are free agents after this season. How about after next season? Mika, Strong, Kako, Kravtsov, Rooney, Blackwell, Fox, and Georgiev, and Boteto. Almost the whole team. That, that, I just named the entire team. Yeah, outside of Truba, Miller, Lindgren, Panarin, Kreider. That's about it. That is not going to ex, uh, expire in the next two years So, with, with a flat cap. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. And, man, I think – I wonder if they regret buying out Kevin Shattenkirk now because he's eating up some, some cap space as well. But. And then that now Jury has to deal with the whole D'Angelo situation as well that, that – kind of just got thrown into his plate. So we'll have to see what they do about that. But I, yeah, I don't think I'm aware of the uniform anymore. So. Yeah, he'll be an RFA after next season. Um, he's currently on the taxi squad. So whether they decide to give him a second chance or they decide to part ways with him, it's only a one-year contract. So although it's a $3.6 million cap hit, I think they'll be able to deal it. So And there was there was talk that he was going to be – signed by Montreal at the deadline that he was that Montreal expressed interest. And basically he was, he said, no, that was, was really interesting. So there are teams out there that'll take him. That, that that's the end of that really. I oh, think. he, he, he's going to get a shot. I just, it's just not going to be with New York Rangers. No, uh, but no, no, he, he'll definitely be playing hockey next season. So he, I'm sure he's not too worried about that. On to New Jersey, tough season as we expected it to be. But they're one of the few teams who aren't cap-strapped. $10 million in cap space to re-sign some guys who are RFAs and Ryan Murray, who's a UFA. Of course, they traded a lot of their UFAs. <clears throat> Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak, uh, most notably. They named Nico Heischer their captain this year. He has that lengthy extension that takes him into his late 20s. Uh, and, and I think that they're in good shape, you know, that they, as you know, on the, on the sticker price says they have $10 million in cap space. They do have some guys on cheaper contracts like Zaka and Hughes and Wood that are coming up in a couple of years. But I think that Tom Fitzgerald is in a really good spot here as you look forward, uh, with two first round picks this year. Uh, and they have one second round pick, uh, that is the Islanders. So I think all in all, Devils have a lot to look forward to, and you saw some some good things out of Mackenzie Blackwood and Jack Hughes, and a lot of, a lot of the younger players. I thought Yanni Kuokkanen was was really good at the end of the season, especially in a couple of those games against the Islanders. And I thought Igor, Igor Sharangovich. I'm never gonna not struggle with that name. Igor Sharangovich was also I'm at solid. that name right now. I'm like, 
Hope I don't have to hope I, I, I cannot pronounce that for the life of me. <laughs> Igor Sharangovich was also solid as well. So all in all, I think that this is a pretty a pretty solid base. And I don't think that they're on the level of the Rangers rebuild, but I think that there is a you know an expectation for this team to get a little bit better every year. And uh, you know, if they can compete with the Flyers and the Rangers next year, I think that would be great. And just just keep chipping away and, and get it to a point where he sh- you have in Heashier and Hughes, two of the best young players in the league, when right now you have two of the best young prospects in the league. L- looking at their roster, Zaka, Hughes, Sharon Govich, Brat, Wood, Kukinen, Smith, Heashier, they're from 25 years of age and younger. They are a young team who have so much potential going forward. Um, they're, they're, there's really no telling what they're going to be able to do in the upcoming seasons because they're young. Yeah, they, they had a, a bad couple seasons right now, but – Jack Hughes is 19, man. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he 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 he's their star player. He he should be producing, but the guy's 19. I f- I feel like we have to give him a little bit of some leeway here to to be able to get his mind in the right spot, his body physically stronger. Because these these guys are could could be ragdolling him around at the age of 19. So, mm-hmm. but but they they have so much to look forward to, and, and I think they're going to be a good team in a couple of years. But they're definitely not at the rebuild stage that the Rangers are. They are, I believe, much, much further ahead of the rebuild than they are. And that showed this season as well with all their young players too. But it's going to be fun going forward, being able to watch the Rangers and Devils constantly play each other, both with relatively young teams, teams that have a lot of talent with them. And they're going to be able to do something with it and potentially make the playoffs here in the upcoming seasons. But definitely not uh, definitely not next season or the year after. I think that's going to be like the main main stage of their rebuild but in two years I think we're going to be able to see the Devils in the playoffs again and they're going to be good yeah you look at their roster you know the the Rangers are the youngest team in the league as we know but the only guys who are over 30 on this team are Aaron Dell Matt Tennyson who like barely played this year and P.K. Subban and that's it everybody else is in their 20s or as you mentioned Jack Hughes is 19. So I, I think that they're set up really well. I'm not positive that Lindy Ruff is the coach. We did have like an episode way back when they broke the COVID pause and won a couple of games. We're like, oh, hey, maybe Lindy Ruff is the guy. I don't know if that – I don't know if he is. Um, I would be surprised, though, if they, they let go of him after this season. But I don't know if he's the guy. I think that's really the only question left because I do think that Blackwood is the goalie of the future. And I think you have a really good solid forward core – you know, I think that there's some room to improve on the on the blue line. Obviously, Ty Smith was a great surprise this year. Um, but I think there is some room to improve there. But they're building it. They're coming together. And maybe they'll make a splash in, uh, in the free agency period. That, that would certainly be a lot of fun. And, and they, hope out, they hope for a top five pick as well. And maybe they'll be, out, be able to add Jack's brother Luke to the defensive, defensive unit. And that would – with a, with a top five pick. And that would be a, be a really solid addition as well. Yeah, they definitely have have some moves to be made. I mean, I mean, they, with the team they have now, they are not playoff caliber, obviously, because they they have not made it. But they they are going to have to make some acquisitions, trade guys away, make, just just make some moves in order to make this team stronger at the blue line. And like you said about the goaltending, Blackwell's a good Blackwood's a good goalie. So so they're they're pretty much set on that stage for now. But it all it all depends on if it can hold up, man. He has to be able to play that way for seasons to come in. We'll have to wait and see what, what he can do. And if Lindy Ruff is the coach or not, cause that's going to change a lot as well. Without a doubt. 
Uh, last thing we want to get to is the 100-point season. Uh, in a 56-gamer, I never thought we'd have a 40-goal season, a 30-win goalie season, or a 100-point season. But we got all three of them uh, locked up this week. Andre Vasilevsky with 31 wins. He's pretty much got the Vesna locked up. Austin Matthews scored his 40th goal. He's pretty much got the Richard locked up. But Connor freaking McDavid, man. I mean, this dude, this dude is unreal. Uh, I – I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say we're watching Gretzky because I don't want the people to come after me. Um, but we are watching something special and something that, you know, we're going to see – we're probably going to see a guy get to 895 goals in Alex Ovechkin, but something that we really never seen before in our lifetimes. And it, it, it's, it's breathtaking, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, some of the assists this guy has are unreal. He's over 65 assists. He's at 69. I mean – this guy is unreal, and I, you just have you just have to give it to him. There's really nothing else you could say besides this guy is the greatest hockey player on planet Earth, and will be, and is only twenty something years old, and will be for a very very long time. I'm looking at this stat on Twitter right now. It was tweeted two days ago. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid in his last ten games: four points, three points, two points, four points, three points, zero points, three points, four points, three points, and three points. That is just insane. Let me do that math. It's like thirty-one and eleven, or something like that. I, I it, but I saw it too. I mean, it's insane. Like 20, 26 points in ten games—that's crazy. It, it's it's insane. I mean, he went on an absolute heater at the end of the season to pull away from Winnipeg for Edmonton to pull away from Winnipeg and clinch home ice. They almost got all the way to Toronto. If this is a sixty-five game season instead of a fifty-six game season, they probably get all the way to Toronto. With, with the absolute heater this guy's on. If you if we if this was like a debate program, which maybe we can have a little bit of fun with this over the summer, I could argue that he's the most underplayed play, underpaid player in the league at twelve and a half million dollars with the highest cap hit. Because there's nobody more valuable than this guy in the world. I mean, you know about most valuable player? He's the most valuable player of everything ever. I mean, I can't even like process what this guy would be like if he was a New York Ranger or a, I mean, obviously if he was an Islander, that'd be a whole different thing for me personally, but I'm talking about in terms of the media attention and he's getting media attention, right? He's undeniably the greatest player in the world right now, but if he was a Ranger or a Maple Leaf, a Blackhawk or Red Wing, what would we really be saying? I think, I honestly think it's different. And we're already saying he's the greatest player in the world. He has the Hart Trophy unlock. He's probably going to win it again next year. And he could single-handedly take the Oilers to the conference finals. Which I would love to see. Those are all things that people are saying. But what if he was on one of those giant market teams, especially the Maple Leafs? I think it would be fascinating. Man, 102 points in 50 – and it's not quite over yet. I think it's at 55 games right now. But 102 points, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I think an interesting stat – Excuse me. An interesting stat is that some of the greatest offensive seasons we've ever seen have not ended in the Stanley Cup, whether it's the 215 points from Gretzky, 199 from Lemieux, the year Gretzky scored over 90 goals. None of those teams won the Stanley Cup. Um, So that's interesting. But uh, there's nothing else you could say besides this dude is this dude's for real. Yeah. If Connor McDavid was on a team from New York, I think the world might explode. The media <laughs> world would explode. When, when, when a good player comes to any New York team, the fans, the city just goes absolutely insane and they have no, no idea how to control themselves. If Connor McDavid was a New York Ranger, for say, and he was playing at Madison Square Garden every single night, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know actually what would happen. 
I, I truly, I truly don't know what would happen because a guy of that caliber playing in a city this big and this popular with media, it, 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 it would just be amazing to be able to watch that. And Connor McDavid playing with Leon, Leon Drysaddle is something else as well. Those yes. are obviously the top two guys would point to their team, 102 and 81. And then the third guy has 46 points, 40 behind Leon Drysaddle. That is just insane to me, man, that, that these two play together on the same team and then everyone else is just significantly below them. Yep. I would agree with that. It's um, when we signed up for Islander games last year to go to the first one I marked my name on was Islanders Oilers. Like I need to go see that guy in person. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was, I don't remember. I don't think he scored, but it was, it was amazing. James. He doesn't need, he doesn't like, he's always on the ice doing something, making a nice pass or something like he, he's always doing something to impact the game in a positive way. So exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Islanders Penguins will probably have played one game by the time you hear us next, but we don't know that. So maybe they won't have, uh, but Bruins caps game one on Saturday as we wrap up the regular season and quick start with the postseason. Uh, here in the middle of May. For Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you next week.